day. Welcome to Macro to Micro Power Hour. I'm Samantha LaDuke, founder of LaDukeTrading.com, and I'm joined by Jonathan Gibbons of VigTech.io. Hopefully you can hear me now. That was a pun, by the way. I don't know if anyone um, caught that earlier, but Yellen kept talking and forgot to turn her mic on. <laughs> can you hear me, Jonathan? I can. I can hear you. All right. I joked because I said sometimes I, you know, I see your dad in here. <laughs> there's a or there's a Fred Gibbons. Sometimes I hit it. How are you? Happy Tuesday. I'm doing all right. How about yourself? You got nice digs. Last time you were on top of the world. Now oh yeah, showing... this is yeah. I'm showing you my uh, my my fifth home. This is uh... like my fifth home. <laughs> this is just a nice uh, nice background. I swap it up every week. It's boring on all these Zoom calls all the time. I'm tired of them. I love well, but hey, thank you. We have this running. We have this running gig. And for anyone new, let me just share with you. Every Tuesday, Macro to Micro Power Hour, and Jonathan joins me so we can talk about what's really important moving markets right now. Um, I also do one on Thursday, and every other Thursday, I have a Women in Trading and Finance series as well. I am going to unshare this. Oh, and for uh, housekeeping, it'll go on my uh, Leduc Trading. Um, YouTube channel under Macro to Micro Power Hour. We did a talk last week on uh, bonds and we're gonna continue that as they're starting to bounce a little bit with oil. Um, but basically this is also kind of the day we're having, right? Th these are my risk indicators that started triggering and this is an intraday uh, risk range alert and they're definitely triggering bearish today. So we'll see what uh, happens in this lovely what I call fragility of chop environment, but um, yeah, I'm I'm tired of the chop. When does it end? <laughs> well, just for clarification, I don't mind this this webcast we do, you know, every week. I do, you know, get tired of all the Zoom meetings that I'm having all the time. You so, are. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if you can share anything with us, but you have obviously alluded to a really exciting option. Um, project that you're working on um, that'll be client facing soon in addition to all the VigTech IO uh, user interface you know launch yeah, and all the work yeah. that you've been doing in support of my risk indicator launch so yeah you've been on the phone a lot yeah yeah we've been sourcing you know um, kind of you know I'll call it like uh, uh, massive uh, data and um, you know, high frequency speed type stuff and all kinds of different things taking place. It's like uh, there's some shifting, shifting things changing in the data world um, from the exchange side. So a lot of a lot of cool stuff happening behind the scenes with all that. So we've been working pretty steady on that. This this will uh, we'll we'll get something together for everybody you know, to try out the new options product um, in the next week to a week and a half, um, I think, you know, based on the time frame that we're looking at right now. I okay. want to try and get out there as soon as possible because um, this we kind of it. stuff, this kind of stuff is going to be really, really uh, useful, um, you know, because it's like uh, it's not it's not like, you know, smart money, smart, you know, smart money tracking like people do, what have you. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but that, you know, the options market overtaking the securities market means that it's more than just smart money, right? Like this is this is now, um, you know, kind of if you're a retail trader, if you're an investor, if you're um, an institutional trader, if you're a PM, if you're a RIA, you know, you got to know where the options market's at as a whole, as an aggregate and what this looks like, you know, visually, you know, topographically, you know, the impact it's going to have and you need to know it now, not you know, 
15 minutes from now or 30 minutes from now or yesterday. So, you know, we put something together that's uh, we think is pretty, pretty important, pretty useful for everybody. So I'll roll that out, um, let everybody mess with it and we'll take it from there. So, you know, I'm really excited about that, but that's why I've been a little bit busy the last few weeks. Um, been, been a MIA from, you know, my usual banter on Twitter and so forth. So that's I, okay. uh, you're, you're doing God's work right now. Seriously. That's right. That's working. what you call it. Yeah. That's what you call it. Hey, and you know what? I got to give you, I get a, you were talking about like some feedback on the indicators, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, uh, and I got them triggering on my, my, my phone and my watch and so forth, because I don't have a lot of time right now. I'm in and out of meetings and so forth. And, and I saw the one, I threw it out there on Twitter right before we got on the call where IWM hit at 1130 and you dropped in and we had some option stuff triggered at the same time. And that was a three point, that was a three point drawdown. It's huge, huge drawdown that um, you could have, you know, monetized, you know, people well, could be monetized. I wasn't, I, it was yeah. more than I actually thought it was. But just for my oh, yeah. analysis, I gave clients of 218 level today mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. IWM and it blew right through that. So yeah, is, yeah. And this yeah. is the fragility of chop that we've been talking about, right? This right. is fast moving. I mean, even the oil pullback, we talked about that last week, you know, serving as a hedge, but it's gone so far so fast. It, um, seven weeks straight. Um, and then when it pulls back, it's vicious and it's still in pullback mode. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not going to bounce by end of month. But right now, every hedge that we've come to hope would serve as, you know, a nice uh, long to the, the, this chop environment has greatly disappointed. So mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about the market structure and such right now, but um, it's kind of interesting how it's just very fast. I'm personally just tired. I want the snow to go away. I'm still in Boston. I can still see, you know, north of Boston, I can still see snow on the ground. And I just want like the quarter to end. <laughs> yeah. Get a little bit, go get, go get some exercise outside and not worry about the market, but can't do that. GameStop has earnings and I hate to say it, but I'm really curious. So, you know, we, we, we talked about this months ago and it was a fabulous, uh, you know, meme stock and such, and they're still ugh, playing with it. But today there's an expected move of 36%. And I <laughs> cannot help but wonder if the Reddit gang has any idea the definition of IV crush, mm. Um, mm -hmm. expected move and all of that. And, you know, it's moved 1300% since its last earnings report. So cannot wait for that kind of. <laughs> well, you saw, I think, who was it? Who was the, the latest executive that bailed out yesterday? Oh, two. Yeah, the CFO bailed out and then um, they appointed a new CT, uh, a chief technology officer that, that, that didn't even exist. But oh, customer, um, chief consumer officer and the CFO, they both left. You know, I mean, what can they say today, really, in an earnings call that will justify this rapid ascent? I'm just, you know. Well, there's not, I mean, you know, you saw what happened yesterday. They said uh, they're going to do $3 trillion in infrastructure on top of the $1.9 they just did. And, like, you know, and you're sitting there and you're like, okay, so we're talking about, like, you know, earnings, right? <laughs> when there's throwing around trillions, like, it's like, yeah. you know, you know, it's it's like, people are going to be, I was a millionaire. Oh, I'm a billionaire. Right. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, you know, some of these, some of these metrics are so distorted that that's why, you know, we talk about a little bit in the, in the conversation here um, when you think about it and, it and it parlays all the way down to GameStop and the rest of this stuff, like this has been fun. Right. But some of this stuff has, uh, 
it's set up for like, you know, getting to get, get lit up, you know, like you've seen a lot of the Momo stuff it hadn't come back. Like I've been tracking that, that, that basket and it has not, it has not come back. And do, does it give it one more run? I don't know. But like, I think that these things are definitely starting to um, kind of come to the, come to the conclusion here where, you know, uh, rubbers meet in the road and GM, GameStop is, is one of them. I mean, these guys, these executives checking out, like, you know, I mean, if stock's going to keep going up and I'm got options and all this other stuff, I'm not leaving. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to exercise these things. Right. And so, you know, these guys are leaving and like, it's, it's like, I watched the, have you seen the, the Netflix thing about Blockbuster, the last Blockbuster? No, I haven't. I heard about it though. Right. So it's, it's like, you know, that's, that's GameStop. It's like the last GameStop in the world, but we're trading it at, at, you know, several hundred dollars. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready for it. I just want to, I, I honestly just want to push it over the cliff. Just, just give it a, give it a good kill. <laughs> it is, it is, it is not a stock. It is a, it is a, a poker chip between mm. uh, uh, players, right? It's just cards now, right? Because you got some, one set of hands playing the other set of hands. And, oh, that's a good way of putting it. You know, there's no, that's not a stock. That's just simply a mechanism between two parties going after each other. So okay. You know, and I mean, when, once they're done or it's done, then the stock's like, ooh, trash. Right? I'm, <laughs> I'm just, like I said, I just want to move on from it. It just feels exhausting. Oh, it's it's tired. Yeah, it's, it's tired. tired. So, but speaking of this, um, you know, the, the call extravaganza, we got to go over a few charts that I have posted on Twitter of lakes. We do that, right? So we got right, a theme. And the theme, of course, is what the heck is the Fed going to do? But let's back up and see what the market is doing first as a result to what happened last week with the Fed announcement. And I can't help but go over some of these um, data points. Invesco, you know, the, the, the Qs, tracked the NASDAQ 100, took in $4.9 on Monday, its largest one-day inflow since the dot-com boom in 2000. And in the article, I grabbed, you know, the key lead. A surge in options trading fueled the biggest inflow in two decades. So this is option flow, right? This is mm. one indicator mm -hmm. of the, the flow that's coming in. Um, I love, you know, this is just fragility of chop. But then the other look, which is from Spot Gamma, if I can find that, let me just find it real quick. We're going to go over that. I saw um, that. Yeah, I saw that you posted that. It was, a good, it was good that he put together. I'm looking for it. So one, of course, oh, yes, this is it. So Spot Gamma did um, a write-up, and I grabbed the key points, right, plus this chart, which is, okay, S&P has no short interest <laughs> as it relates to, um, you know, any meaningful short interest. It's at the lows. Again, 2000, we keep hearing that over and over and over again. And Goldman uh, points out the SPX short interest, not only at the lows seen since 2000, but Spot Gamma has their own set of charts calling for, um, you know, calling out that lack of hedging, so they're not really buying puts, and extreme call positioning invites a great deal of future volatility, especially if traders suddenly elect to purchase put options, uh, positions. They really haven't yet. So from mm -hmm. what I can see, they're definitely not in this, um, you know, elevated put buying or protection. Today was fast moving with, with small caps as yields are, you know, calming down after a seven week advance. And it was interesting. I also had um, retweeted a stat, which was, of the nine periods where the 10-year has uh, advanced seven straight weeks, there are nine periods. Eight out of the nine times, it resulted in seven weeks 
of downdraft, mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. of softness and of, of lower equities. Um, and it kind of feels like we're just in that chop zone. So oil, the, the leg gets taken out. Bonds are now getting a bid into end of month, but it is also a very massive um, uh, you know, peak to trough decline in long bond volatility, at long bond, it's time for this to kind of have a pop. Plus we've got end of quarter um, uh, rebalancing, pension rebalancing. So why not have this, you know, do a little bit of, um, of move higher. But this is the, the chart that I think everyone is really expecting or hoping, which is this fractal, which is NASDAQ back in 1998 to 2001, okay? And this, I grabbed from market ear, they basically put a fractal of where we are right now, okay? And you can see the inflows coming into the queues. Everyone is expecting a blow up top, 4,600, mm-hmm. you know, in the spy, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is the expectation with what you see in the call buying we're very different from 2000 on a lot of metrics but i can't help but kind of show this chart because i think this is sentiment right of we're Mm -hmm. gonna have we're gonna have this advance so even if you're already at a loss holding these you know tech plays that were down 30 40 percent not too long ago and really have not recovered they've just chopped sideways for weeks right this is what folks are really holding their breath for. I don't know if that's a healthy attitude, but I personally would also like to just get that over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw I saw like five of those yesterday. Like you know, um, I don't even the thirty-seven thousand Dow. Um, you know, I have seventeen thousand Nasdaq. Is that right? Yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. saw, and then like 4,600, 4,400. You know, I mean, the reality is if the Nasdaq mark from market structure perspective, if the if the Qs go take out the recent top and then retest it and extend. No, by all means, just market structure, that's gonna go. Same thing with the SPY, same thing with um, uh, the Dow. You know, I, I've been looking for the weakness in Dow for some time, just any kind of weakness in Dow um, to give us some kind of inclination of there is any type of selling. And we got a little bit today, um, you know, it was like a 1% drop in the Dow. Um, and realistically, it was like almost 2% from top, top to bottom. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I don't see any volatility though at the moment, um, besides, I, you know, yep. just kind of the move today, there's just no volatility and you really need like for a sustained situation to, to really be like topped, right. Or building the top to see like volatility begin to base and turn. And we just got clubbed like a baby seal yesterday, like what, 15% or something like that. UVXY was down 10%. You just get destroyed. And so. I, you know, without with the absence of volatility on a consistent basis or a persistent basis, then this is just like it looked like kind of like rotation ish. I, I looked at it was funny because I looked at at everything around like say one thirty, uh, like one one thirty, and it just you know it wasn't wasn't everything. It was just certain things that were turning, and then it looked like kind of rotational. And then you know everything started selling off towards the back half of the day. But you know we're so far from any type of real damage um, to any of these charts that I'm still very kind of sit and wait and watch. I, you know, Vol had a good move today, but- um, It's not gonna do anything, but we also talked about this last week. The gap fill is 1861 on this. Yeah. Not, not, I'm not at all happy with high probability shorts, other than like, it was very clear the small caps were rotating, you know, lower with oil and gas all getting hit. They could pop up just as easily, you know, next week. But the point is it was very clear, this is chopped. 
and VIX is not really going to stop, you know, and reverse and head higher until it fills that gap. It's so close. It's yeah. so close. So I'm, I'm still holding out for that. Um, and I showed that last week, but it is still Eighteen twenty-one. That's the that's the prior low uh, pre-COVID before we had the drop down February twenty-fourth of twenty twenty. So eighteen twenty-one is the gap fill, and I'm sticking with that. I think we just need to take that level out base and then form some kind of pattern for higher. In the meantime, uh, dollars moving higher. Yeah, I I think you you you're seeing a little bit of shift like structurally. I mean, you're starting to see this this shake out, and and we're we're getting towards the the summer um and if it was going to blow off then this is like kind of that you know quarter began and and you get the inflows and so forth i'd like to see the dollar that you know you wonder how the dollar plays with this kind of thing that they put out because what i said last week i was like hey, what are they going to do keep like throwing in trillions like they're going to have to throw in trillions of dollars and sure enough, this week, three trillion more, right? We're gonna we're gonna do another, uh, we're gonna do a whole infrastructure deal. And you see the reaction with the dollar, right? Reaction was, you know, okay, we're gonna keep kind of migrating higher. So you gotta kind of these these things that you gotta shake out um, as a whole, right? And they're still not done. And you got the equities inflows. It was funny because you saw the NASDAQ, you know, QQQ sponsoring the NCAA tournament. I saw that yesterday. Oh, and this weekend, right? Oh, that's right. And they're, they're the they're like the prime sponsor of the NCAA tournament, and you get the large inflows, right? And so, you know, um, it, it's it's really uh, and there was a lot of fractals as related to what was the sponsor of the tournament in 2000, right? And that time frame too, and it was it was the it was the same type of stuff, tech stuff, which is super interesting. And so you've got these things that are shaking out, then you've got the dollar, and then you've got volatility. And we've said that the dollar and volatility are like the last pieces here. And then if we tie it back to the Fed, Fed being trapped, Fed can't do anything. Fed can't raise. Fed can't. They, they, they are trapped. They're, they're totally trapped. They don't have to do anything right here, realistically, except talk, which they do, you know, every day, at least a couple of times a day. And they're not going to do anything. But you got your yield curve, you know, the steepener that is taken out. And that thing hasn't slowed down. And no, it has not. That, and I still contend that is beyond strong and folks don't give it enough credit. They're just like, oh, it can come back down. And yes, it can digest and grind and, and have sharp moves. The, the dollar and that, <laughs> right? The dollar and that are, right, like really kind of showing how potentially strong the repositioning of the really, really, really strong hands is starting to be like, I'm not participate yeah i've seen like flows fall out on iwm and spy that i have not seen in some time like uh let's be on the, the negative side right let's talk about the um, dollar real quick so one thing that i that i pulled in anticipation of today as well because i go looking for this stuff i want to know how you know where we're at with major asset classes and dollar as a safety trade if you will but it's mm -hmm. also when um you know i had a thesis which was japan was doing a currency hedge Mm -hmm. Well, uh, rates were rising very strongly since January 27th, which was the previous FOMC change of language to the inflation mandate that they were going to let it go higher. No one talked it down. And then TNX, the 10 year just kept going higher and higher and higher. Japan was hedging that currency by, you know, it was going down there um, uh, relative to the dollar. 
And now during that period of time, the dollar was stabilizing. And now for the first time, leverage funds turn net buyers of the greenback for the first time since November. So this is now those shorts have covered and they're actually net long. This so is top, this is what you want to see, right? To see. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a basing pattern. This thing needs a yep. miles and miles of track to come to a stop and turn and go back and reverse. So this is what I wanted to show as it relates to the dollar. And then the dollar yen carry trade also stopped going up. And the yen has actually served as a kind of hedge. The dollar right now is a kind of hedge because every hedge that we looked at has been taken out, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there hasn't really been, gold hasn't been a hedge, bonds weren't a hedge, VIX wasn't a hedge, um, oil you know, was until it wasn't in the last week and it's dropped 15%, but that's also part of speculation. When it gets too frothy, it comes down hard, just like the ARC, right? Dropped 37% mm -hmm. um, and all that illiquid stuff that they hold is just impossible to manage. So I kind of, I look at this going, I don't think that with you, the tech trade is gonna recover as quickly as folks think, although it is fascinating the ETF inflows that are coming in for the queues, right? Then I see mm -hmm. the dollar strengthening, the yen strengthening, and I look at the bonds going, yes, we definitely need an end of month bid, you know, for the rebalancing for pension funds. And by the way, it's supposed to be the strongest one in a decade. So we should have some softness in equities. Where's the hedge? And honestly, first and foremost, where's the hedge now? Since we just talked about this last week, oil got, you know, taken out and put aside. Yeah, I mean, on inflation, four years of euro COVID lockdowns. Yeah. You, I, I think that the reality is that you've got such an experiment with interest rates for so long that the any of the correlations are sit down, set them aside, and then you've got to look at what's the kind of temperature of the week of the flow. And so what I mean by that is like, if Kathy Wood is, is risk off and ARC is risk off, where's that rotation? And that's a temporary hedge. Is the rotation away from the pain trade? And the pain trade is wherever the liquidity is coming out of. Like, and you'll see her take a stab at going, hot with call buying probably next like she's got to double up to like you know lever up to try and get back to where she was which will blow them up even more more than likely so you look at in my opinion like you if, if volatility until volatility becomes stable right you've got the you've got the bond market which is historically maybe i can hedge right you got gold historically i can hedge you're going to hedge with like bitcoin right like you know that's running its own direction you have these pockets of liquidity where to me, and this is just my opinion, it's almost like if you're trying to like kind of hedge, uh, not necessarily Delta, but just hedge, you know, maybe macro kind of, you know, uh, risk off quick pivots in areas, then you're almost looking for kind of the weakest play at the table that's going to get, that's going to get hit. Right. And, you know, necessarily short it or, you know, kind of uh, do a pairs trade or synthetic on something like that. And you're short that and long something that, you know, is is rotating from. Because I saw it like, and it was like today, you saw like, 
you saw the the Dow was not as 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 licked as the Russell. I mean that you know which one's the worst of the two, right? Russell was crushed. This is four percent some point intraday, and then you've got the Dow, which was holding pretty steady at you know fifty basis points for most of the day till the last last few minutes. And the Qs, right? So the trade has been long Facebook, short Netflix, Facebook was you know long long those things and short the other the banks the other side, right? And banks have been down about six percent. So it's almost like these the where you would have found some safety. Right. And maybe a more temporal trade like, you know, uh, intermediate trade. You can't do that because it's so distorted, because the liquidity is so, you know, kind of abundant to an extent that things are pocket running. Right. And that's why I really have been doing the options thing to try and create something that's much more dynamic, because if you can see that, too, it should help front run to an extent where you can look at where these pockets will go and because volatility in and of itself is a target of speculation. And so you saw just massive, massive puts on those ETNs yesterday. They were just getting obliterated. And then today, those got washed out same day, I suspect closed. I didn't look at it like extensively last night. And then back on the long side to that. And like that, I mean, so are we in a trader's market intraday, couple day, that's hedging based on just simply like very short to intermediate term uh, plays based on liquidity versus historical correlations. And that's why I think that stuff like the yield curve screaming, uh, you know, there are problems under the surface here. Forget the price action and this rotations from what's cheap to what's not cheap, right? There's some structural problems, the dollar's holding on to that. And until things start to get, um, and what I was going to show, uh, I, I think, I was just trying to remember back exactly when we first got on the call, I thought about something right before we got on the call effectively, that once this takes place, once you start to see risk come into the environment, when there's such an excess of positioning, then you will see major distorted moves. You have to have stuff like you've created where, you know, you know the, some of this more like kind of uh, the deep, fancy kind of models are going to be hit real quick and, and obliterated, right? They won't work. And, and a lot of the correlations won't work. And you're going to need really tr trustable, trustable, that's a word, I guess I just Absolutely. made it up. Very tr trusted, very trusted type, simplistic structures that give you really, really tried and true um, kind of move, move, right? And, and I think that's- it yeah, is, it is. It's because it, it is so distorted across all asset classes. What, I saw a thing. I saw a thing with wealth, wealth, uh, wealth front. I think it was yesterday. It's, it's their ad, and it's like, yeah, you know, you should just always be long and 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 investing. Just let us rebalance, and it always just things go up. Effectively, is what the ad was like saying. And and I was just sitting there thinking to myself, it's like that. That is totally a, a fair statement, as long as there's no volatility. When there's volatility, the displacement of all those algorithmic models will be fast, furious, and merciless. And it will be, you know, over. Like, you know, March was a blip to what we've continued to create since then, March last year. So I think that like my my take on on hedging or or like uh, you know, basically like what where you where you would rotate, right? You've been really spot on on the rotations from the standpoint of like, you know 
this is as long, and we've said this, as long as there's volatility is muted, it's what's cheap, right? And what's not, and what's going to be in the trend. And this, I like it, them smoother. Another not going to, yeah, not going to happen now. I, I think that you're looking at, I think you, 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 I'm, I'm not going to discount that you could see that blow off um, by any stretch of imagination because there's such an animal spirits mania across all no it's all not animal spirits it's, right. spirits it's u.s stimulus comprises 25 percent of gdp oh 150 <laughs> percent all this is fi it's fiscal no animal plus. spirits it's just pure visceral well it, you got animal spirits when people are buying pictures of tweets right like nfts like i'm, I'm i mean this is like nfts points back Sold up 225% so, on so, a day saw, trade. Saw a uh, marijuana. You could buy a oh. picture of a jar of marijuana. That was my favorite one so far. No, it's and painful. It's painful because some of us are still looking at this going, okay, we know we're divorced from reality, but when it, when, uh, you know, I love, okay, old tech is catching a bit over new tech, Cisco, Intel, <laughs> this won't last. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, looking for any little bits of rotation to hold on to and it's not durable this is yeah the last the last two weeks have been like yeah. you know um, really really in the same like band right and that's why i say i i i, I wouldn't want to come in and be bearish like coming into today or or what have you got these fed speakers all week and and Seven. these guys they're not going to say anything to upset this because their number one enemy is volatility. And I said this, and I said this in a tweet, and I said this last week, they, with all these passive models that all the money is in, for the most part, volatility doesn't, doesn't jive with those models. They don't rebound, they can't handle volatility. And you've seen what happens when it comes in. And so they will talk and speak to anything that keeps volatility down oh, yes. right like it's not it's not anything else it's not Correct. it's not like uh you know they're, wor they're, they're not worried about inflation they're not worried about deflation they're worried about volatility but we have right? to talk about inflation now right so be, i mean well, the whole thesis is rock, rock and hard place and this all right well, yeah let's go for that yeah because this is definitely deflation for 200 alex <laughs> we can have both but I, I still keep going. I started this, you know, at the very beginning going, okay, inflation expectations are going higher and they're going to continue to go higher. The market, you know, the equities market likes it to a point right now. Everyone is like, okay, we're okay up to 2% in the 10 year. We're not there yet. Right. We hit the 1.7 something and then, you know, um, bounced about nine basis points lower. Big deal. Big picture. We're heading higher. As long as this tracks, you know, break evens. I don't care if it's a five, a ten, what have you. Um, the market has been, for the most part, rolling along with this, you know, this theme. But at the same time, I'm also tired of the whipsaws because we're getting to a point where it has expanded, it, it extended so fast and furiously. Right, that rate of change that we've talked about in the ten-year, mm -hmm. the five-year, and it's still not done. Um, and then recently, the short duration, you know, the, the funding markets went negative uh, one or two days last week, and that created some of this ripple effect. And then the SLR wasn't extended, mm -hmm. which, mm -hmm. you know, big banks said, we have no problem, we're fine. It's the smaller banks that are, you know, potentially at risk. But the whole 
segment, if you will, when yields softened and oil, you know, was was the tell and reopening trades are now five to 10% lower. They still haven't broken their trends, by the way, but they're still in this whipsaw kind of mood. We're going to go right back up to inflation expectations soon um, as, far, as far as this trend. But in the meantime, it's this wide fragility of chop that makes it, um, I can't imagine if I'm I'm seasoned at this, like this is my jam is sector mm -hmm. rotation. How are these young traders who have come in and buying up massive amount of SPACs, massive amount of ARC holdings, the illiquid as well as the ETF, mm -hmm. what kind of losses are they sitting on? Or are they all made up by the GameStop wins that they cashed in on? I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I got I to believe that um, the the what happens like uh it's casino right right you the longer you sit at the table less likely you are to walk away you know in a stronger position than you, than you sat down because it's the law of averages you keep playing those those kind of intra-week hands like where they have been playing on a non-stop upwards upwards uh, kind of trajectory you know from november on really you know and that's been that's been kind of test so now we're talking about where you're actually are not seeing these names like that you saw some of these momo names they're not bouncing like the fl flows are gone from them flows are really negative they're not coming back it was bouncing it's not bouncing i'm going to trade it again it's not bouncing i'm going to trade it again it's not bouncing this is what we were talking about for a while about bad habits and what happens is is the habits get created on you know after 21 day period just like anything else where we see these things happen the same way over and over and over again, you start to see some of that stuff slow down a little bit. And that's why I was very interested to see if there would be some sort of stimmy jump right last week when these things hit the bank count, it's not that case. So now I think we're at the kind of the final uh, playbook here where that's not as big an impact. You know, what, what are those guys doing, uh, you know, with those types of trading accounts? Couldn't tell you. I mean, I've seen a lot of, a lot of people you know, it was interesting to me because I was like seeing a bunch of uh, and, and now that you say that it makes me even really think about it. I saw a bunch of, you know, you know, you know, hold on to your losses. This will this will turn around. And I look up at the, the Dow and I'm like, we're down like 25 basis points. What are people talking about? You know, and and, and it's the, what are you in? So you're in these kind of kind of they were moving 25 percent in a day. And I looked at the Momo list today and there wasn't hardly anything green on that list again. And so if you're not diversified and you don't know the different plays and then not necessarily diversified across a portfolio, but diversified in your tool set of what you're gonna go attack with in a trading environment, mm -hmm. then it's gonna become very much more challenging going forward, especially in chop environment where levels are not, you know, I've seen the futures traders do really well right now. There's a couple of them that I follow that are really, really chopping it up because they can mark, mark, demark levels. So, you know, bullish above, bearish below. But yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't as far necessarily as, talking about technique, I was talking about the young traders that came in one year ago. Uh, well, you know, I mean, what do you know if you, in to, to their defense, right? Like, you know, they, they need some tools um, and then they need to see this stuff happen once, you know, I, I mean, we're sitting here, you know, I've traded, I don't know, 12, 15 we understand years, something like that. We understand how this, you know, the whole, the whole bond, portfolio, you know, risk parity is tied to tech and it's under pressure and inflation expectations are really, you know, the stock market is looking at earnings expectations, you know, as it relates to 
they have become inflation expectations. So that's where we kind of go to the Fed and go, what are they going to do? They say that they want uh, more inflation and they're never going to admit what we really have as, as core. But right. this whole anticipation of the market pricing the rate increases for the Fed, we've done this before, up and down. Mm -hmm. And with the exception of the past week, this, the gyrations we've had, obviously, with, with softening yields and such, um, do you think that this inflation expectation that's been tracking so well since the bottom, right, this with the indices, is over? Do you think the um, duration trade is over? Or do you think this is just a pause that refreshes? post-Fed, now that we have them out of the way and they have basically talked out both sides, we want inflation, but we're not going to raise rates. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're worried. I, I think that the path of least resistance is, is, is inflation and, and, and UBI um, because deflation ushers in volatility and volatility will destroy the pension system. And I think that that that's the best I could answer that that's question because, because they just don't want that. Like, and if I, if you look at the way that they have approached everything since last year and you're sitting there and you go, um, all right, so what did this, what did this entity do? What did these people do when faced with this, with this dilemma? So I'm sitting there and I look at the dilemma and I got pension, evaporation and then um, these unfunded liabilities and municipalities um, where you know the the things are just going to stop working right so so to speak and volatility will erase these passive funds in like we, I mean they say it was the fastest drawdown ever last March like the fastest bear market of all time well it's because it was the it's because of the construct of the volatility infrastructure as it relates to the, the passive ETFs and everything else. So yeah, this thing's all going to be fast. When it happens, it's just fast, 5% in the day. And then we're range trading 7% plus or minus in the day, right? Like, and that's what we did in 18. So we did in early 18, late 18, and then in 2020, just growing in scale. So that's the enemy. So they sit there and they look at it that. They're like, ah, you know, lumber, screw it, right? You know, just press the button, like, you know, both levers down, We'll send everybody checks if inflation is is ridiculous. So screw it. what you know. It's the wealth effect, and they, that's their harbinger. And they you know they use it all the time. It's like the rising tide lifts all ships. What's the problem? Four hundred one ks are up. What's the problem? Housing prices are up. Go refi your house. I mean that I gen I genuinely think that's the way they approach this. It's like it's fine as long as things go up. We don't care. Well you know and if you're on the back end of that then we'll just throw you some checks. And I think that like, that's their perspective on this. And that is like, you know, it sounds like I'm kind of shooting from like 50,000 feet, but realistically they don't say much different than that on a tactical basis. And, you know, we're not, and we're seeing like, you know, the bonds get torched because effectively that particular approach at some point makes you, you know, totally bust. And you cannot continue to think that you can do that into perpetuity. And so I think that maybe, you know, our paper is being, you know, and I haven't looked at whether or not that the foreigns have continued to, or where their positioning has been and continue to purchase, you know, treasuries in the last, you know, 60 days as this has, you know, really cratered. Um, but that's something that I think is some, is gotta be monitored um, going yeah, they, forward. They bought, 
they were net buyers in January, but I think they did a lot of currency hedging because obviously we sold down a good amount since that. But um, yeah, the, the, uh, I'm I'm still fascinated by your your comment that deflation obviously is volatility, and that's something they can't afford. So they're going to keep talking inflation up, no question. Um, and we still have you know PE differentials on forward earnings are very, very supportive of this continued um, theme as well. I'm not seeing anything that the Fed is saying to knock this down. I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. right now growth is it's still, you know, forward PE differentials are benefiting that whole growth to value theme. I've, I've got my own intermarket tells that have said we're not done with this theme yet. Bonds are not done selling off yet. Um, I just posted this you know, update every month, which is the 30 year treasury bond price, long, mm -hmm. long channel since the eighties, right? And this is my kind of indicator of when it is a good short, when it's a good long, we're still in sell-off mode, right? Since August, September, we just picked up- I could see that breaking down and really break it down and then coming back up to test that underside underline. of that channel. And, and then that's is, over. And this is yeah. just a 30 year. You, you know yeah. what has happened in the five year? It's hot fire flames. So um, this to me is just not done. Like you said, the Fed is kind of in a tough place. They definitely want to keep talking up inflation because deflation is volatility. That's well, think about it in the context of like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of in a, in a tough spot uh, from a budgetary standpoint. And so I got to grow my way out of, of my position because I cannot monetize my way out of my position. And what I mean by that is I cannot liquidate it. Like I cannot take care of my debt. I have to grow my, you know, revenue and grow my, my margin so that I can then service and then liquidate my debt and erase it. And we're at a place now where I don't, and that's what, it's, you know, kind of the crux of the conversation is relates to Fed trapped. They're really trapped because, you know, we're, we've, we've gone past the point of no return in the last 12 months where this can be put back together. And now it's kind of, you know, what's the least painful solution to the situation we find ourselves in at the moment? And that is it letting inflation run extremely hot until it burns the house down um, because they cannot. And that that will directly correlate to the bond market, in my opinion, not being able to recover. And that this is that's the end of that secular bull. We can we can talk about all the bear cases we want. Right. Yeah. But there's one really big bull case and that was powell himself writing in the wall street journal op-ed as long as it takes <laughs> oh that's the growth that's my point that's the yep. growth I'm, i i how long you gonna keep this up as long as it takes to grow the overall pie of gdp or whatever you know we want full employment we want gdp to max out we want you know and it's effectively the chinese kind of playbook to an extent right where yeah. you know his term expires in February of next year. And this is right now very political. I know Yellen's still, you know, um, and together they're two peas in a pod. But this this is, is, who's next? You know, I think, I what, who, what did they said? I think it's, um, I've heard Bostic. A brand from Atlanta. Um, Brainerd. Brainerd, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, but you're going to get more of the same. Like, they're not going to put somebody in there who's going to be like Volker, you know? I mean, it's not coming, right? No chance. Yeah, we're going to fix the inflation idea. But that's so droggy like right whatever it takes as long as it takes i mean they even echo the same uh anyway it, it is until 
there is something that triggers that they did not account for or could not account for in the modeling that then causes the spike in in the in the environment right which which then still, deflation I right? mine i still have mine which is not this month and i said that forget march because we popped above and that's 65 right we went to 68 in crude and i said okay we, we break 65 we're going to hit 60 down to 50 but as long as we close above 60 on the monthly we still have the potential to head higher in april and may which drives up cpi all mm. that inflation expectation that whole pivot to oil if you will in the summer months they can drive it to 75 80 bucks that's something the fed isn't necessarily controlling um right now mm. there's very weak speculation to support in other words interest speculative interest to support that but the month's not over yet so i'm still looking for april and may for some much higher prints in cpi and much higher gasoline that would drive that into a potential very strong spike it's early innings I, I i only had the idea when we talked right like two weeks ago and i said early innings let's get through march first especially with the rebalancing in the, in the pension funds and then let's see what it really does in april excuse me in may for the april cpi june for the may cpi but mm -hmm. i can see oil getting away if you will and really triggering that inflation shock um, oh, 150%. Only on speculation, just on speculation alone and inflation expectations driving it, which is something the Fed does not uh, easily control. So for right now, it's it's not a thing, but that's, that's no, I, I, right I <laughs> fully, fully agree with that. And you've already got the supply. You know, and the, and the, and I think it's a good argument to be made for supply chain, like, you know, uh, causing some of the inflation problems to an extent that there's just supply chain problems based on you know what we've experienced in the last year and maybe that sorts itself through by the by the latter part of the summer um i i can i can kind of i can kind of get on that bus a little bit um to an extent to but an extent because people but, are going to spend it on the stock market their stimulus check or on consumer demand pent up travel and dinners and all yeah that. which which go back to the it's heading back out you know into the real into the real world and that's real money that's not lint money that's not money going to the yeah. bank that then's lint that is then lent out you know that maybe goes into a paycheck maybe goes into capex that's money that goes into people's pockets that they go spend right and so that's hot money and that's inflationary so that's that's where I'm kind of um, biding my time to see what happens with uh, with CPI and, and oil yeah. in April and May. Yeah, you know what's wild is <laughs> is 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 the the um, the the crypto. And I was thinking about this, and I was curious your thoughts, and, and I'm curious, uh, you know, people's thoughts on this. Is is the money that would have gone into because you know we're here here we are we've we've printed trillions and trillions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And it's it's uh, we did fiscal and monetary, and the gold conversation for years was when this happens, when this happens, when this happens, and it's happened. And did that conversation, did that money flow go into crypto instead of into gold, instead of into silver? And do gold and silver still come out of this? with the kind of final straw and i know what like jim rickards would say right but like you know my, my curiosity in the sense that there is a lot of money flowing into those trades the crypto trades that would that have gone into the the gold trades and would we be talking about a oh, much higher gold bonds. price 
right? And it's the same thing about bonds. It's not going into bonds as much. You know, it's going into crypto. Institutions are just starting to step up and have a and have a position. Um, it, to be, yeah, I, I'm definitely not on the crypto um, uh, real vision channel 24/7. But I would say, <laughs> yeah, I get, I get it. Yeah, but I, but I, mean, I would say that it's very. Um, it's still U.S. dollar based. Still very much a speculation that creates the narrative. It, it, I just love, in fact, all these narratives. And in time, there has to be something substantive behind it. The NFTs, you know, the cryptos. I know not the blockchain, but you know, we have to always cab, you know, crouch that whole conversation because there are silver bulls, there are gold bulls, there are silver bulls, and there are crypto bulls. <laughs> I don't want to get in front of that charge, but I really don't know if this is um, the one big test that we're going to have when this does have a pullback of any size, how damaging it is this time, because the psyche, I don't know, this, uh, this whole trade yeah. feels incredibly um cult like like they're just not going to let go because they totally are banking on the US dollar to collapse why would you wish that on anybody <laughs> yeah well, you know i i think it's a margin thing too um as it relates to the way people are you know you've seen the margin debt charts right we're now way up there to you know max levels of historical proportion um with margin right and if things don't go down and you got the fed put and the perspective of the Fed, but then you max long, right? Max long on margin. And I think that that, that structure in and of itself, if you, go in over, if you go over into crypto, then you have margin on margin of margin, right? So you can do 10X, 20X in some things, right? Like, the, the, and so I think that, you know, that is kind of, if, if I took a step back and I looked at it and, you know, what breaks these things down when this does occur to have a deflationary impulse and a volatility spike that causes liquidation, which is, those are all correlated. They're all relatively the same thing because volatility is just an indexed measurement of the liquidation or lack of liquidity in the, in the environment, plus the, you know, lack of uh, both sides of the trade. So, so effectively you get a vortex where everybody's net long on margin and, and then you go into crypto space and they're on margin of margin of margin. I think it's the biggest threat to that space. And then the biggest threat to the market when it happens is that, you know, people will become net sellers because they're forced liquidators. And so I, I think that'd be my two cents on like, you know, what could turn it over once it's said and done is that it just is simply the weight of itself because you've got, you know, teared up, levered up. You've said that before, the supply is actually, it comes under the weight of its own supply, which has worked so yeah. far with ARC, it's worked so far with SPACs, yeah. um, and not that they can't, you know, rally into a new NASDAQ, you know, type of blow off top, but what I see is just asset inflation versus real inflation. What I see in, in the economy is real inflation percolating up. So mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. oil aside, you know, yeah. Uh, we still have to have the demand components, you know, serious demand component drive this, um, as well as supply disruption, or in the case of lumber supply inelasticity, you can't just mm -hmm. throw a tree overnight. So yeah. I just really think that some of this, uh, the crypto, I would like to see it be tested, um, come to Jesus kind of moment, 
where they actually say, okay, the dollar's not going to debase enough to justify my holding Bitcoin down 50%. It definitely mm -hmm. is asset inflation right now, that whole camp. Um, and cult-like, we're not going to let go networking effects. At, at some point, I would just like to see it tested to see the resolve. You know, this is- Yeah, yeah, last, there's been- That's really yeah. the last hedge, I guess, to discuss because otherwise nothing else is moving as it, it passionately, <laughs> right? As the yeah. Bitcoin and crypto game. So. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the that stuff is its own market, right? Um, and 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 it's it's regulated differently too, right? Um, because that's how you get 10, 20 times leverage, right? You're not going to get that in like a you know a, a Fenra you know type situation or SEC type structure, uh, SPIC insured type accounts. Like, so these are all wildly speculative and, and um, that's just kind of the environment that we're in at the moment with the fiscal and the monetary. So, you know, you consider fiscal and monetary keep going. Um, it's that trap that is, what what is it? You know, and I, and I, don't, I don't have an answer of what it is that would trigger um, kind of the Fed you know, where they, they're stuck and then they have to do something and then they have to pick a person at the table that's going to take the shot. Is it the, is it the pensioners or is it the, the, the Zoomers? And we don't know that answer, that playbook yet. I, I just, we won't know, maybe a few more months um, because it's running high. I, I think that, you know, and most of the, most of the, it's very, it's kind of feel kind of bad sometimes like looking at some of the stuff, uh, so somebody says under they spent 15 years working on the gold trade and uh it comes time and and it's it, the, the dynamic shifted underneath the market of uh exactly how the flows of funds weren't and you know you're sitting there kind of like ah you know 15 years I, some of these guys feel feel for it to an extent of all the research than the time they spend in these trades but like it should be interesting to see because like gold and silver i still have those targets on at lower levels and you know what is what is it when it comes time that i think it's, it almost seems like you would be questioning to an extent like when when baseball cards are trading for like uh you know seventy thousand dollars right that was like seventeen dollars like two years ago right like a you know dumb shit like that like that i'm seeing and, and you're and you're sitting there and you're like well what is money and so that, it could be it could be where this is all headed to an extent is what is value Right. And, and once everything is valueless, then what is the value of, of anything? What, and, what, I, what I love is also this, this anecdotal um, data point that I saw today in regards to since March of last year, right? The, the housing market has not only recovered, but- Oh gosh, yeah, yeah flaming, right? so yeah. It's flaming, it's manic. Um, but the, the most interesting data point I saw was that right now nationwide, there are more real estate agents Oh gosh, I saw houses, that too. Then there are houses available. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that's it. You know, like that, that's that's also the Bitcoin trade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, it goes back to it, 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 in the movie, the um What Money Never Sleeps, the the um that Douglas did the, the re the revisit of it after 2009. And the mom was a nurse and she was flipping houses, and he's like, What was wrong with being a nurse? And if I've had one conversation in the last 18 months, or let's say the last 12 months, I've had 50 that I was doing this. Now I'm, now I'm like, you know, a total speculator on, 
on baseball cards or NFTs or, you know, I'm selling, you know, weed pictures of weed online. I mean, it's like, it's like the, it's like the, that type of speculative transition from goods and services, the goods and services of, of a natural economy to, you know, where everybody is speculating is, 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 um, you know, I brought a, a bunch of uh, the historical analogs to that. You're, you're talking about like the 20s and you're talking about, you know, the South Sea bubble where, where, where everyone became a speculator in some context. And you don't know when those things end because they can go way past what you think. Oh, no, and, they end quickly know, because the fickleness of the crowd that joined well, the, first, the last in or the first out. It's the speculative nature of it where it then becomes a margin so when you look at like a great book devil take the hindmost from edward chancellor i think is um a great study of that right of the of the manius panics and crashes was another one i, I want to say that was chancellor I think, but both of those books i'd say both those are really good in the context of these types of speculative environments have happened prior and they all have the same kind of construct which typically is an interest rate prolonged period of time and that's um what especially um got the south sea bubble going well is this the is, prolonged period of interest rate manipulation so this is this is my whole thesis that i'm still stuck on obviously you know for months now months now and even though we've had some drama if you will since the fed in the reflation reopening trades and inflation expectations definitely need to come you know and and the oil trade need to have some of the froth come out just like the tech trade right so there, there's this this healthy if you will pullback that's very sharp that rebounds very quickly and then there are the unhealthy pullbacks that just never really get back up into yes. um it you know in in they lose their levels yep right and so they're gone they never get them back it's wonderful but for me the whole the whole construct is this old regime that you were just talking about the interest rate regime right the macro regime regime has been so married to that 60-40 portfolio, so, so married to lower rates for longer, yeah. um, despite what Powell is saying, you know, as yeah. long as it takes, it seems very clear that the rate of change in the yield spike that has been going on for many, many, you know, for months now, and the steepening of this, uh, this yield curve, to me, just means it's going to be dramatic. Right now, we're showing this aura of volatility up and down but i think this kind of kind of shows a little bit of that um duration trade that i kind of warned about that you and i we track all the time but this 10-year yield um as it relates to the strength of this having power over the tech correlation is not going away and if anything it's even tighter it's even stronger right this is an outlier that is showing 1.6 percentile and that means that when there's this um you know increase in yields for example the tech sell-off correlates 88 percent i've seen figures of that's really strong so this to me is going to create disruption that's my you know whole basis of the fed might say as long as it takes but at the same time the market's already pricing in this tight correlation between any yield spike and tech damage and it's definitely taking some froth out we might have a little rotation into facebook and netflix and micro you know microsoft mm -hmm. 
um, the past few days because that's the safety trade <laughs> and, yeah. and, and in staples. But basically yeah. stuff that had been very, very strong, like energy, right? Up 20, I think 26%. Um, and staples were, you know, the, the opposite side of the spectrum with tech. And now they're just kind of having a, a nice little reversion sector rotation, but they're short-lived. So I, I still think the shift is in the regime change of the rates environment. And this is this is not going to go away. And in fact, it's an inflation signal. And we still have those inflation expectations tracking very, very tightly as a nice fractal. So now for me, the thing to watch out is what's going to be the trigger with all the cues, you know, call buying and all the rotation of money that's come into um, the NASDAQ, right? Stuff that I just showed at the very open of the hour and also on Twitter. Is this going to foretell much higher levels like a blow off top in, in 2000, right? That mm -hmm. fractal that I started off with. Or are we going to have the opposite come to be where we have liquidity woes and there is still strength in yields and tech starts to get the message and starts to get worried and starts to tell off, um, sell off even more. So for right now, what's your bet? How do you think we're gonna do in the next few months? Blow off top, grind sideways, you know, correct in time, not price, or no. actually have some volatility that brings down all of the market not just one at a time, but like nothing safe. It's a common trade. So I think it's, it's binary, right? Like, so, you know, you fed rotational safety for a period of time um, in the absence of volatility, we will rotate, right? So that's, you know, pretty commonplace. We will rotate. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so um, if you have volatility, right, you're going to see everything get torched just because of the, the binary structure of uh, passive indexation. So, you know, where are we at with the reality of the market structure? And I would have to say, you know, it really all depends on levels, especially with money coming in, because there's plenty of liquidity to be put into. It just depends on if that's spooked and turns into sell side versus buy side. Because if you're still pretty close to these levels that make me kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm short in here. And my buddy said that nobody's still in, you know, very eager to short. Lack and so you're, you're, you're sitting there and you have a lack of sellers, a, 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 an excess of liquidity, and you're sitting in close proximity to levels that could just throw the gas on the fire, yields, bonds, gold, be damn, damn it all, right? Like, we're just going to put this money to work um, in the passive environment. And so you're sitting so close in proximity to that kind of that gap and go almost market structure that I would be on the lookout for that more so than I would be on the lookout for a breakdown here. What you would need to see a breakdown here, which could happen at any given time, right? Because That's of how fragile, right? It, it yeah. is, but you need multiple days, intraday selling on high volume that breaks all the levels and then it comes back to test that and it's just Mike Tyson punch out right in the face and those levels are just not seen again and it's just impulse selling and that's what I look for right and yeah it's impulsive selling right and it's you know you see these just huge bars just coming because it wipes out everything that was coming up on the gorp and because that was all soft bid. And I, I, until you see that, 
especially we saw some intraday selling today. Yes. But it's like one day. It's one day. You need probably at least three to five days of selling that then come back up pretty quickly in a reflexive move that then is hit in the face real hard with more selling that they were waiting on it to come back. Then you know it's over. Um, until you see that, you're sitting in such close proximity to expansion levels, 4,000 SPX, right? Um, you know, the Dow is no, I mean, there's no soft look in that. And I see a lot of drawings and stuff and like, you know, you know, there were, you know, I, I don't know enough about some of that stuff. Like where, you know, we've expanded exactly the same height. We went down times two, you know, and things like that. And all that stuff, it, 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 it seems to make sense geometrically. But, you know, we're not dealing with that. We're dealing with like, you know, flows and interest rates and a lot of other factors. So to me, those passive factors sitting right there at these major index levels in the absence of volatility, which we really don't have right now, and I don't see on the curve at all. Um, even if I don't see it rising on the curve, I haven't got a volatility signal in month, two, something like that. You know, I don't even remember. I have to go pull it in the in the system where I'd see when and and Agreed. to give you guys and I give you guys an idea, like my volatility uh, formulas. You gotta have repeat days. You gotta have two, three days of consistent rising volatility of X a percentage day over day and in, in, in potentially with the rising index so that you can see some sort of underlying and what that would entail is the underlying positional shift in the put call ratios of the actual players and then a flow into those ETNs where everybody proxies or the VX futures, right? And, or both, right? And I don't, I just don't see any of that right now. So, I mean, bonds be damned, dollar who cares, right? You know, uh, rotation, whatever these levels being so close to being expansionary that with the absence of volatility i gotta give the benefit of the doubt to you know jay powell and the and the fantastic bunch that they're gonna you know you know press the pedal down and and get ever get and keep the funds not it's not the speculative retail stuff that's going to push these things and that's not what pushes it those things push the individual stocks around those things don't push they don't push the cues, right? That the, the people aren't pushing the cues around. The cues are getting pushed around by institutional level order flow, and those major puts you see between uh, calls between four and four fifteen every day. So, like, you, I mean, can't wait for earnings. I got to give them the benefit of the doubt that it heads higher, unless you see an impulsive breakdown over a consistent period of days. Which your the way your stuff is is developed that that you you know have have given us those those. Uh, formulations for you're not going to miss that right it's clear as day those things are going to be going off like this um maybe people won't believe it but if those things go off and that's what i was going to say probably like last thing i wanted to say about it it's like these tools that have been created will perform extremely well in periods of displacement and they will print money and that's that's really the way it goes in today's environment is like when things displace you're talking about massive monetary gains and very, very short windows of time um, where everybody else is getting nuked. And that's the benefit of this stuff is not only do you avoid the drawdown, you can be very opportunistic because once this stuff does kick in, you know, it, it's going to be fruitful. And I, I can honestly say that's all I care about. Like, I mean, this upside is like, you know, 
you could set it and forget it to an extent, but the fruit for real trading and real aggressive players is like when they lose control of it again. Um, well, that man, that's going to be like, you know, make two or three years and like a few days. Well, for Super now, fruit. for yeah. now, we're, we're trying to figure out the, the next two to three weeks, I think, post the, um, the quarter and with the rebalancing, any opinions of, since it's a little after five now, any opinions going into April um, of when this trigger for higher would kind of crystallize? Because I have the same uh, uh, suspicions and yet at the same time, I don't want, uh, we're right approaching earnings, right? So earnings have been a disappointment, not in beating, but in regards to um, guidance and they've been clobbered afterwards, especially in tech land. So, you know, we're gonna be, we're gonna be testing this and price increases across the board and chip shortages across the board. It's gonna take a few months for that to really work itself out. So I can't help but think we're gonna have more of this fragility of chop the next few months, which is painful, which is why the indicators are right, are just a lot cleaner. There's less noise. Yeah. You have to think it's about what is the Fed thinking? Nope, we just have to say, okay, it, it just triggered you know, neutral, there's no trade. Oh, it triggered bullish. There's a trade, there's a triggered bearish the trade. Absolutely. But otherwise I am yeah. just looking at this going, okay, this is gonna be a long bloody spread. I, I would <laughs> say, I would say monitor your portfolio hedger formulation as like a key indicator of the overall really? construct. Okay. Yeah, be, be honest with you. I be, be could, inside out, like the risk range always goes first. Yeah, yeah, one one through three. But like if you if you yeah. look at the portfolio hedger from this bigger conversation, if that doesn't trigger, it's all just noise. Yes. If yes. that triggers and sticks, then you've got that impulsive environment that will, you know, come unravel pretty quick. So it's not, it's you don't have to guess and be you know it takes a lot of that kind of out of it to an extent where you know is 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 this kind of fed move or this speech or or that you know give them the benefit of the doubt they want inflation so in the absence of volatility you know expect higher you know everything right and and, and, and not necessarily everything because the stuff that was was a momo chase around maybe that doesn't go higher but you know, in a broad base index, you're going to see passive flows go in, and the things will just continue to head higher. So, if, if that being the one that's really gauged around primarily volatility, is really to me one of the better ways to to look at it, and that will really help kind of clear out the noise of the overall picture. And then when you look at the the short term stuff, right on the the day in day out basis, those 30 minute windows are really, oh, it's dinner time. It is totally dinner time. Okay, you got a question in chat and then we'll close it. Yes, Stella, it is five, I'm so sorry. I got it, Stella, it's, I'm done. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll, I'll cut it out. It's like a clock. No, and I got, I, I, I'm just dying to get outside too. We've had like no sun and I feel like, ah. Okay, so that was it. Um, CTA, persistent night action is still like selling the dollar, uh, and I don't know, this is uh, the night action is like 2%. Mm. No, no, typically what we see on the night action, this is a really good question. So when you see a change and shift, like 
you know those FEGs I have in the charts for your value gaps that measure the gap from one night to the next one night to the next morning in the uh, ETF or the stock market, uh, a single stock individual stock environment because the futures create the displacement that reduces and eliminates the auction bid. Those auction bid has to come back and be settled. So typically, when you see, you know, we saw some displacement in March last year where the overnight was dropping heavily. And then the daytime would, you know, not gap. But there's only a couple. Most of the time, when you see this really take place, that's why I say intraday. It's intraday action on heavy volume, especially in the futures market, that demarks the breakdown, where it breaks levels that can the auction is fully clean. And I don't know that the overnight stuff. When you see the overnight breaks, I've said, if I said it once, I said it a thousand times and it's very hard to like really bang it into your brain. Like I've struggled with that for years. It's like the, you know, you see a gap 2%, one and a half percent overnight. And by the middle of the next day, it is, it's, you know, kind of recouped it and, and, and gotten it back to that, that auction uh, even marker in the, in the regular trading hour session. I like to sell my long story short. I like to see the daytime session break it, not the nighttime session. The nighttime session is, if it's if it's on the upside, that's creating that gap and go garbage where you see all these gaps just left behind. You are right, we're not seeing that, but we're also kind of being level right now and we're not seeing any type of sell-off. So, but you did see today, you know, sell-off in RTH. So I like and only really support regular trading hours dumps um, I don't really like the overnight action because it's such a mess um, as it relates to the missing order flow from the day period that during RTH, it's just such a massive difference in order flow. Good question, Peter. <laughs> All right. So this is how I entertain my cat. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. I'm going to wish you a wonderful evening. That, that is amazing. It's the best thing I've seen all day. Yeah. <laughs> She'll start to attack it shortly. She'll start scratching it and the whole thing, but um, it gets her distracted from, you know, mealtime. All right. It's great. Out there. Spring is here. I wish everyone a great night. I'll post it on YouTube after dinner. Have a great one. Thanks, Thanks everybody. All right, bye. bye.